going to continue in Acts. We're in chapter 19 today, and I want to talk to you about the baptism of Jesus. I want to talk about the baptism of Jesus. It's something that we talk about pretty regularly here. Um, it's, it's in our life groups. It's, it's from the pulpit. It's in your community. It's, we talk about the baptism of Jesus. We talk, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are two different baptisms. There's the baptism in water, which the Bible calls John's baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. And even John said, there's one coming after me, and he, you will be baptized in Jesus. Or, or you will, when you believe in Jesus, you will be baptized by Jesus. So there's two different baptisms. I grew up fundamentally grew up confused about that. I thought there was only one baptism being water baptism. And so for a, a good portion of my life, I only lived with the understanding of water baptism and never understood the baptism of Jesus or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Anybody else grew up that way? Good. Well, not good, but <laughs> <laughs> Acts chapter 19, go with me to verse 1. Uh, while Apollos, Apollos is just another uh, preacher in the area He's a phenomenal communicator, the Bible says. Um, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Then he asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for the repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. These 12 men are the disciples of John the Baptist. John discipled them. And they ran into Paul, yet they'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as Paul says John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if there was ever any doubt, there's your proof. Two different baptisms. Paul describes both of them in these verses. Water baptism for repentance, the baptism in Jesus for the power of the Holy Spirit. C'est bon? I grew up in a church. I was in church very consistently. My mom was a single mom. She took the best piece of advice she was ever given, and someone told her to raise me in church. Whatever you do, just raise him in church, and he's going to be okay. And so my mama did. I was raised in church very consistently, sometimes three times on a Sunday. You're a good Baptist when you show up three times on a Sunday. That's Sunday school, morning service, and an evening prayer service. Come on, somebody. I know your roots. And it's always the first and third stanza of the hymn. I don't know what happened to the second and fourth, but, you know, they're in there. The church I grew up in did not believe in the baptism of Jesus or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was, it was never talked about, much less demonstrated. I grew up believing all I needed to do was to give my life to Jesus and be water baptized and everything was going to be all right. 
oh, and my church was a little bit religious, you had to be good enough. But I'm grateful for my church that I grew up in. I pick on them a lot, but I'm grateful for them. So I gave my life to Jesus, and I did what I was supposed to do. I gave my life to Jesus at a youth camp at ABC. I gave my life to Jesus at a youth, in the old sanctuary, gave my life to Jesus, and the following Sunday went back home to my home church in Franklin and was water baptized or dunked, as some of us say, right, dunked. I was dunked, and that was great, and we celebrated that, and we always celebrate salvation, and we always celebrate water baptism. But what I didn't realize is that even though I was saved and I was dunked, I was still getting pumped. I was saved, I was dunked, but I was still being pumped. There was still something missing, and nobody told me about it. The title of today's message is Dunked and Punked. I didn't know what kind of response I would get out of you for that, but that's the message title, so deal with it. <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit young. It's got a little young edge to it. Come on, somebody my age. You got a little, it's like, oh, it's Pastor Jamie. Oh, you could. I told Pastor Josh what the title was. He said, bro, you, you creative? I'm like, I, it happens every now and then. <laughs> Dunked and punked. It sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? It sounds kind of hard that I would stand here today and say, you've been saved and you've been water baptized, but you got punked. It's kind of a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? You ought to be here trying to preach it. Salvation is what I needed to get to heaven. But the question remains, what gets heaven to earth? Only the power of the Holy Spirit gets heaven to earth. I need salvation and water baptism to get to heaven, but what brings heaven to earth is the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me. Now, I know some of you have had a bad experience when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit or when we talk about things of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you got around somebody that had a little too much fruitcake and they acted a little too strange and it kind of wigged you out a little bit. I apologize for them, but listen to me. Just because somebody misrepresented the Holy Spirit does not mean that he doesn't exist. Doesn't mean that we can't walk in the very power that he gives us. Don't let the enemy punk you by a bad example. So I'm writing the message on Wednesday, and I heard the Lord say this, and it's just a little phrase. Maybe you want to write it down. He said, I'm tired of powerless believers. So he's dealing with it today. I'm tired of powerless believers. I want you to hear this today. The Holy Spirit is waiting to empower you today. These 12 guys were on the road traveling. Paul was traveling. God set them up. They ran into each other because God said, I've had enough of you living powerless. I'm going to make you and Paul meet up, and Paul's going to tell you about me, Jesus. He's going to tell you about Jesus, and you're going to get power that you never had before. I'm going to set the whole thing up because I'm tired of you going around being powerless. You're good, and that's great, but it ain't enough. (laughs) 
Mark chapter 16. Let's see what Jesus has to say about the whole thing. You ready? Mark 16, starting in verse 15, Jesus says this, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, so watch this, quick little side lesson. If anything has a heartbeat and breath, preach to it. You don't have to wonder who to preach to. You should never have to pray, Lord, do you want me to tell him about the gospel? He already gave you the answer, yes, every creature. Say every creature. Every creature. If it's a dog, preach to the dog. You never know, they might act right. I don't know about cats. I think they're just too far gone, but... Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, he who believes and is baptized, listen to this, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. It's cut and dry. There's no in between. There's no being good enough. Just be saved. Verse 17, here's the key verse. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. I don't know why, but they will. <laughs> and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So watch what Jesus says. Jesus says these signs... He describes this power, these gifts, this supernatural ability to cast a demon out, to pray in an unknown language, to drink something deadly and not kill you, to handle a snake. Come on, somebody. If I see a snake, I'm half dead. Not that we go pick them up. Not that we look for poisonous drinks to test it. No, don't do that. But if you do, I'm going to give you some power to do something. It's a sign. These are signs. How many of you like speed limit signs? I didn't think so. I knew I was in the right church. <laughs> Not a single person raised their hand. <laughs> I love an honest church. <laughs> These are signs, he says. And this is Jesus' words for us today. So I don't know how some of you are going to wrestle with this. I don't know how you wrestle with verse 17. But you're going to have to deal with 17. Because Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. You're going to have to deal with that. I had to deal with it. I either believe it or I don't. And if I don't believe that much, then what else do I not believe about the Bible? Because either it's all truth or it's all lies. So I don't have the right to pick and choose what I want to believe and what I don't want to believe because it makes me uncomfortable. You don't have that right. I don't have that right. It's God's word to us. We either believe it or we don't. We either operate in it and exercise it or we don't. Jesus uses the word sign to mean that these things will show something to everyone involved. Imagine, imagine, I don't know how many of you have cast a demon out before, but imagine being in a moment where you cast out a demon. Just this conversation is making some of you really uncomfortable. <laughs> They're real. Don't get punked. Don't be punk. Demons are real. 
don't be afraid either. Because what Jesus just told me was that you can put hands on somebody and them things got to go. They're real. Are you living in denial? We don't chase them. When they pop up, we punch them in the throat. It's as simple as that. Demon pops out. You got to go. Move on. Imagine for a moment being in a situation where there's a demonic presence and God uses you to cast it out. He gives you the power to do that. So you exercise your power and you cast out that demon. That person has an experience and you have an experience because that gift gave both of you a sign. One sign, one part of the sign says to the believer who's exercising the gift, God can move through me. It comes against the lies of the enemy. Oh my goodness, God can move through me. When the disciples came back, when Jesus sent them out, they said even the demons were cast out. They were freaking out like it really worked. It was a sign to them. Think about the person who had the demon and got the demon cast out. It was a sign to them. What was the sign? God loved me enough to send this person with some power and authority and courage to use their gift to free my life. Oh, my God, I'm free because when a demon leaves, you're free. There's no greater feeling than freedom. These gifts are signs. They can show God's attitude towards something, towards individuals, towards people groups or things. They can show that you belong to him. They can be something that give direction, correction, instruction, or judgment. So what happens if we don't exercise them? What happens if we live punked? If we live punked, what does punked mean? It means somebody convinced you that your gift wasn't real and it's sitting dormant in your life and you're not exercising and you're walking in the authority that you've been given. You're sitting stalemated, you're complacent, and you're not doing anything for the kingdom and you're sitting there because you believe the lie that the enemy told you. The day I got filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in other tongues, the enemy came right away to steal it from me. Right away. Thank God for my aunt who said, no, baby, that's your language. Keep using it. Just the enemy don't want you to have it. He's trying to punk you. What happens? You want to know what happens? When the church doesn't exercise the authority and the power it's been given? We see what we see today. We see what we see today. A powerless church. A church that's compromising. A church that's living defeated. A church that starts mimicking the world instead of mimicking heaven. A church that has no authority. So when the enemy comes, we just take it. When something happens, we just take it. Until eventually we're sitting in a place, beat down, punked, and complacent. But I'm afraid. But I'm nervous. 
What if it don't work? What if it don't happen? What if it's not real? Sound familiar? That was for the other day. That's not for today. First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says something about this also, verse 21 to 22. Paul's getting ready to quote something from Isaiah, and this is proof that, that, that these gifts are signs. Verse 21 says, it is written in the scriptures, here's Isaiah, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Paul speaking says, so you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not to believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. So Paul's quoting Isaiah. Why did he quote Isaiah in this moment? Because he wanted the people in Corinthians to understand that when you operate and you exercise these gifts that you've been given, they are a sign Something supernatural is going to happen. I don't care if somebody falls out on the ground. That doesn't impress me. Is their life changed? That's what impresses me. Was there a heart change? Was there a mind change? Was there a, a freedom that came in, a deliverance that came? That's what impresses me. You can be delivered and still be on your feet. You follow what I'm saying? So I don't look for somebody to respond in that way, thinking that that's the only way that the Holy Spirit shows up. Wrong. But Paul is saying they're a sign. And in Isaiah, what happened in Isaiah was is that God was trying to show his people something. He was speaking to his people, but they would not listen to him. So he said, I'm going to speak to you in a foreign language. And then maybe you'll respond to that. It was a sign of judgment. So don't tell me God doesn't know how to get our attention. Don't tell me God doesn't know how to make things clear to us. He wants us to know how he feels about things. Here's the thing I love about God is he's always pursuing us. He's always pursuing us. He's always ready for a conversation. Always ready for a meeting. Always ready to, to show himself present in your life. The issue lies with us. It never lies with God. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so as long as we refuse to exercise this power, the people around us continue to live in darkness and deafness. Think about the signs in Egypt when Moses was there. Moses was sent by God to free the people up, right? How did God do that? Signs and wonders, right? River turned to blood, plague of the locusts, staff turned into a snake. Signs. <laughs> Come on. When's the last time you saw a stick turn into a snake? Not because you thought the stick was a snake. Those signs in Egypt were both positive and negative. 
You got to get this today. They were positive and negative. To the Egyptians, they were negative because they represented judgment. But to the Israelites, they were positive because they represented deliverance and freedom. So when God showed up in the Israelites' life in Egypt and he started doing signs, supernatural things around them, they were like, oh my gosh, something real just showed up. And oh my, God's here and he's delivering us now. But it wasn't the same story for the Egyptians, was it? So watch this. It's our job to exercise the power. It's God's job to communicate the message. I don't have to be the judge. I don't exercise the spiritual gifts inside of me and the power of the Holy Spirit in an effort to judge people. I don't get to determine what gets judged. <laughs> kind of feels like my old church. It's quiet. I don't get to be the judge. I just get to be the sign. Which means this, that I don't have to worry about judging right or wrong. Right? I'm freed from it. I just exercise the gift, and the rest is up to God. If nothing happens, praise God. If something happens, praise God. I did my part. Maybe this whole thing was just to build my confidence and my courage. I'm glad I stepped out into it because I promise you, you step out and exercise the gift that the Holy Spirit's given you, you will not return the same way. So what would the world be like if every believer was baptized in the Holy Spirit and exercised their gifts? What world would we, can you even imagine what that would be like? I mean, you would literally be walking through Walmarts and demons would be getting cast out. <laughs> You're like, yeah, there's a lot of demons at Walmart. There's a demon in that personless cash register. <laughs> I'm going to cast it out next time I go. What would, the, what would the world be like if the current believers who are baptized started exercising their gifts? What would your world be like if you started exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you've been given? How would your house change? How would your family change? How would your life change? What would happen? Can you even imagine? Have you even thought about what could possibly happen if I exercise the power that I've been given in my own house? Maybe somebody will get delivered. Maybe somebody will get free. Maybe the enemy will take off running. Maybe the Spirit of God will fill this place like never before. Maybe we'll have victory where we've been defeated. But you'll never know if you never exercise the power of the Holy Spirit in your house. What would it be like? I encourage you to dream. I encourage you to think. I encourage you to imagine what it would be like. And then I encourage you to jump into it. Both feet, jump off the board. In, 19, in Acts 19, verse 6, watch this. When, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there was about 12 men in all. And like I said earlier, these were John's disciples. They were good men. Listen to me. They were good men. Say good men. They were good men. 
but they were powerless. The world doesn't need a few good men. It needs an army of powerful men who will shake the earth. So here lies the questions, what's stopping you? Who's stopping you? I'm reminded of when, when, G, when God walked into the garden after Adam and Eve had fallen. You remember the story? Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, and then they realized they were naked, and they got fig leaves, and they went and hid when God showed up like he normally shows up. And then, they, and then God comes looking for them. He's like, Adam, Adam, we're over here, Lord. Why are you hiding? He's asking some of you that question today. Why are you hiding? Then he said, Adam said, because we're naked. Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that gift was weird? Who told you you didn't have that power? Who told you that it's fruitless and it's, it's just a bunch of gimmicks? Who told you that? Who told you that it's not for today? Who told you that? God's asking that question right now. Who told you that? Who told you that the Holy Spirit's not real? Has the powerful gifts grown greater in your life or have they decreased? You need to be real honest with yourself today. Because there's people in this room that have been baptized in Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit and have all the gifts that he wants them to have with all the power that he wants them to have, but you're not exercising it. You're not walking in it. You hadn't prayed in tongues in years or months. And I'm going, why? Why would you not? Why? Who told you to stop? Why would you stop? Are the gifts increasing or are they decreasing? I speak in tongues more than I have before in my whole life. And I'm proud of it. I thank God for my prayer language. My prayer language is very unique for me. Some days it's type of worship. Some days it's kind of like one of these songs. I'm going to say it this way. Some days it can be like Anna, nice and gentle. But then some days it can be like Virginia. Mess with me, I'm going to punch you in the throat. Right? My prayer language changes. It's, it's got an emotion attached to it. It's got something attached to it that identifies with what's going on around me spiritually that I can't see. And so when I start to pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads me into what type of prayer I need to pray. So last night as I'm getting ready to, to prep the message and it's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I'm like, I need to go over it one more time. And I usually take some time and worship and and I just, I just really felt depleted, and I felt kind of just empty. And I was just like, Lord, I need you. And so I worshiped for a little while. Then I started singing in tongues. I can really sing good in tongues. And then I started praying in tongues. And there must have been something going on in the atmosphere that needed some authority to show up. Because my prayer went from worship to fist fighting. It went from worship to war like that. 
And you can ask my girls, they probably heard me over the TV. I'm in my office. I'm Roba Bashira Bakorobo. Shandara Karabashetara. Roba Bakira Bashondoro. Robata Kadaba. Now you don't have to get all red in the face and stomp your foot. Because Anna doesn't have to. Anna cast the devil out going, Shida Bakora Bashitara. But you mess with me and Jen, it'll make your teeth click, right? <laughs> but it turned into something. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make this just like real to you all of a sudden because it's like you don't need to be afraid. Somebody told you to be afraid and they lied to you. Yeah. You're getting punked. I don't want to shrink back. I want to grow forward. I want to grow in the gifts that God's given me. I want to experience more power. I'm not satisfied. I'm not content. I'm not going backwards. I asked Jesus to take reverse out. Just take reverse out. We're going to go back up. But I do need park. <laughs> so watch what happens with Paul. You getting something yet? Verse 8 of 19. So Paul just laid hands on them. And they received the, the, the Holy Spirit, came on them, and they spoke in other languages, and they prophesied. Great thing just happened. Verse 8. Then Paul, went to the, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So you might read this story and think that the 12 men came away with the greatest gift. But in reality, Paul received something else. He received something also. Paul was used by God, by the Holy Spirit. He exercised the power and the authority that he was given. And when he did, he even walked away different. And the Bible says that he preached boldly for three months. I've never met somebody who could do that for three months, not with that kind of boldness. It's a sign. They met on the road. The 12 men walked away with God loves me and he has more for me and there's power that I'm, I'm able to possess and walk in. And Paul walks away with God used me. Oh my goodness, it's real. Every lie the enemy spoke over him was broken. And he walked away, went into the synagogue and preached boldly for three months. Boy, when you exercise the gifts the Holy Spirit gives you, you come back different. Because I'm fully convinced you can't be in an experience with God and not be changed. You cannot have a tangible experience with God and not be changed. If you're not changed, then it wasn't God. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I, I went back to work Monday a different person. I was a good guy at work. Everybody knew I was a Christian. I had, I had morals. I had character. I had some integrity. I didn't preach a whole lot. But I just, I was a good guy. But boy, that Monday I went back, I wasn't just a good guy anymore. I was filled with power. I found the biggest dude on the job site. 
and told him about Jesus. Why? Because I had an encounter with God. I received a power that wasn't from this earth. And I started to exercise it. When Paul exercised his gift, 12 men received theirs. When Paul exercised his gift, 12 men received theirs. Verse 11 and 12. God gave Paul the power to perform, say this with me, unusual miracles. Not the usual ones. Not the ones you might expect. Not even the ones that they've seen before. Unusual Meaning that they're different, they're new, they're, they're, there's more there. Oh my gosh, Paul used to be a usual Christian. Now he's unusual. Oh. Have you been the same Christian you've been for 20 years? Have you grown unusual? Or are you still usual? You still that old dusty picture on the wall? Or has something knocked you off the wall and knocked the dust off and got you moving again? I'm not a has-been. Jesus didn't die for has-beens. I'm a, I'm a right now. I'm a right here. I'm a been right now. This is who I am. I'm his hands and his feet on the earth. That's who I am. If I don't exercise the gifts, then who will? His gifts went from usual to unusual. You see, you, you got to get this today. Man, I hope you can get this. That you might want to write this down. There seems to be an ever-increasing, that's the key words, ever-increasing expectation on us with the gifts that have been given to us. There's, there's an ever-increasing expectation on us in our relationship with Jesus. Like I shouldn't be praying the same prayers. My prayers should have more guts than they used to. Come on, somebody. My prayer should be more honest than they used to because I'm ever increasing with Jesus. I've not stopped. I've not paused. I'm not sitting in one spot because something happened. I took what God gave me and I applied it to what happened and what happened had to move and I kept on going. It's ever increasing. Come on, somebody. Has it been ever increasing for you? I didn't come to beat you down, but I did come to Debunk the punk. It's ever increasing. God's love to me is ever increasing. His presence in my life, ever increasing. It'll never get old. God, you got to hear this today. It will never get old. It was never meant to be old. It doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't go stale. We do. There's an ever-increasing expectation on us. 
You see, Paul started in verse 6 when he met some believers on a road. And he asked them some questions. And then he laid his hands on them. And they received something that they never had before. A prayer language and the gift of prophecy. Twelve of them. It amazes me that every time the Bible says that there were certain amounts of people that had this experience, they all got the gifts. <laughs> There's a lie in the church. There's a rat in the church. There's a lie in the church that the gifts aren't for everyone. How many of you have heard it? Just be honest. You might just, you might just expose the enemy right now. You've heard that. It. It's not for everybody. It's for them, but he must have bypassed me. Can I just say bull to that? Because every time I read my Bible, when there was 120 in the room, they all got it. When it was two, they all got it. When it was 12 on a strange road somewhere, they all got it. It didn't say half got it. It didn't say three quarters got it. It didn't say the qualified got it. It said they all got it. They all spoke in different languages. They all prophesied. The devil is a liar. He cannot speak the truth. When he quotes the Bible, he attaches a lie to it. Paul started out in verse 6 when he laid his hands on somebody, on these 12 men, and they all prophesied and spoke in tongues. Then in verse 8, he, he walks into the synagogue with a boldness he never had before. And then in verse 11 and 12, all of a sudden, he's, God's using him to do unusual things. You see the increase in that? It first started with him exercising it right where he was. Then a boldness came on him. Then after the boldness came on him, then God gave him more. And then God gave him more. Are you afraid of more? You sure? Because it ain't no joke. I've been afraid of more. Sounds very noble to say, no, I'm not afraid of more. Are you sure? The dog that's chasing the car, he don't know what he got till he got the car. My father-in-law would have been proud of that statement. It's one of his, maybe. He increased. Are you seeing it? He increased. He didn't decrease. Who took it from him? Did life wear you down? Has life been wearing you down? And the gifts that were meant to give you victory and freedom every day have slowly kind of faded? Was it a moment? A single moment, maybe an offense or a hurt or a disappointment that got you to sit back and go, you know what? I'm done. You, you, if you were in the UFC, you'd have tapped. Just done. I'm, I'm done with this fight. I'm done. I give up. I surrender. I'm done. I'm done. Did you step out and exercise your gift one time and it didn't go like you expected it to go? Now all of a sudden you're just like, oh, this just don't work. This is not for me. This is, I'm going to let somebody else do that. Who told you you were naked? 
Who told you it didn't work? Who told you there wasn't more? You don't have to live punked. And God sent me here today to debunk the punk, the punk himself. So the enemies lied to you. People have lied to you. The Holy Ghost has been misrepresented to you. He was a little bit too charismatic for you. So you just put it to the side and say, I'll deal with that maybe later. You know what's amazing about Paul? Is Paul takes his first opportunity to exercise the gifts that he's been given and he stewarded them well. He stewarded them well. Think about how he approached the 12 men. Not condemning, not judgmental. He asked questions for clarity. He wanted to make sure that they had everything they needed to be successful in this new life that they had been given. So he asked the questions. When he realized they were missing something, he never judged them. He never had an opinion about it. He simply gave them what they were missing. He stewarded the gift well. It wasn't to bring attention to himself. It wasn't to increase his ministry. It wasn't to make his name known. He wasn't trying to be famous. He was just trying to be used. He stewarded it well. The Bible tells us if you're faithful with the little things, God will trust you with more. That applies here too. If you steward the Holy Spirit well, he'll give you an ever-increasing power. He'll, he'll lay an anointing on you like you've never known before. The anointing this morning has been greater than any anointing I've ever felt in this place before. Virginia and I were sitting in, standing in the back worshiping, and I, I leaned over to her and said, you feel that? She said, oh, yeah. It's ever-increasing as we're stewards of it. Just be a good steward. You're the sign, not the judge. You're his representative on the planet. He uses you to bring heaven to earth. So let's bring heaven to earth. I'm tired of earth. Can I get a witness? I'm tired of earth. He stewarded it well, and it increased. I don't even know if he was expecting it to increase. I think he was more focused on stewarding the gift than he was on what the gift was going to do. If you notice, since we've been in Acts for 27 weeks now, I'm starting to get proud of that. Just like we stuck to something for 20, that's a miracle in itself. I don't know if you caught this pattern, but when, when salvation and water baptism move into a city, the apostles send in folks to help them make sure they get the Holy Spirit. Do you notice the pattern? 
If it moves in, so salvation, they, they go into a new city, they preach the gospel, people get saved, water baptize them, they come up out of the water, and the apostles back in Jerusalem go, Philippi needs the Holy Ghost. John, you go. Let's go. If they sent somebody from another city to this city to make sure that they had one thing, don't you think that one thing's important? It was so important that they sent representatives, they sent men who knew how to steward the gift to make sure that they got it. Why? Because they wanted them to be successful. They wanted them to walk in power and not live defeated. 